Uh, I'll be reading from John 12, 24 through 26. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who saves me. Thank you, Hunter, for reading John 12 for us. Um, I would encourage you, if you want to open your scripture and take a look at that, we'll camp out there for a little while. Uh, But let me ask you first, while we're in our growing season, and I appreciate everyone's interest in the growing season, um, have you had your coffee today? Yeah, good, good, first cup, first cup, okay, good. It's always a good day for coffee, and, uh, and, and coffee is grown. The coffee bean is actually the coffee seed, and it's a very important seed to us. You know, I've heard that there are religions that, uh, you know, religious groups, and they tell you uh, to stay away from coffee. That's, that's false doctrine. That's... Uh, that, you know, people worry about a lot of things. And, well, I might be fun. This is the one that concerns me. I, I, I love talking to people about differences in belief. Trinity, you know, there's Trinity, uh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Don't even know if it's called that. That's a mystery. I mean, I, I don't know how that works. That's a big thing. I love talking about how people see baptism. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I get a chance to share what the Bible teaches about that. Pretty confident about that one. Ted just told us about the Lord's Supper. But once I start talking about staying away from coffee, I just leave the room because it doesn't make any sense to me. God even figured out the whole bacon thing somewhere about 2,000 years ago and and decided to loosen up on that. But, But coffee, see, if you can't appreciate coffee for all of the good reasons... You can give thanks in every cup of coffee. You can meditate with your cup of coffee about the goodness of a creator. This is a fascinating little plant. It's a cherry. It actually is a type of cherry. And and this plant grows, and we harvest this plant. And unlike other plants, which usually we spit the seed out, you know, in cherries, we want to get that seed, that cherry pit out of there. We call it a pit. It's no good to us. We call it, it's the pits. But with a coffee, we keep the pit. We throw the rest of it away. And then we take that little seed and we roast it. And we grind it. And we brew it. But if we took every coffee seed that we ever harvested, and if we took <clears throat> every single one of them and roasted them and ground them up and brewed them, we would one day run out of coffee. We have to give up some of those coffee seeds, those coffee beans, so that we can plant new coffee plants and so that we can continue to have coffee. There's a little sacrifice in each cup of coffee. When we take the coffee bean, though, and we grind it and we roast it and we brew it, 
we're actually taking it out of its mission to make more coffee plants just so that we can have a drink that wakes us up in the morning or goes well with cake and pie. Our familiarity with coffee may help us appreciate what Jesus is saying because I could ask you if you had your cup of coffee this morning and most people are saying, oh yeah, sure, yeah, some of you don't drink coffee and, and that's okay, I'll pray for you. But, uh, but we got any wheat farmers here? You know, that, that might be a smaller crew. Jesus is talking about these kernels of wheat and they're falling on the ground and dying and then you're going to get wheat. Some, some people like to say, you know, well, here, here's Jesus being unscientific. We all know that a wheat seed doesn't die, it germinates. We also know that a coffee bean doesn't die. But you have to give it up so that it's no longer a coffee bean so that you can continue to have a harvest. I'm hoping that helps us appreciate just a little more what Jesus is saying when he says these words, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. A coffee bean is valuable to us as a bean, as a seed. That's its greatest value to us. But when we release it, when we bury it in the ground, we get more coffee beans. This is what Jesus is saying with the image of the wheat. That if you try to preserve the seed form of the wheat, it will not fulfill its true mission. I mean, just stop and think, what is the God-given mission of a seed? What is a seed's mission in this world? Very simple. A seed is meant to grow. There's great energy, there's great potential packed up in a seed. That's why seeds can actually be very nutritious. We eat other seeds, sunflower seeds. Uh, they're not meant to be, they're meant to grow more sunflowers. But there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of potential packed up in those little tiny seeds because they're they're packets of energy meant to grow a seed's mission is to give up being a seed a seed's mission is not to remain seed-like a seed's mission is not to remain seedy it's a word play. I'm using that word a little bit. You know, seedy usually means, uh, uh, you know, ir, ir, what, what's, a good, what's a good word for seedy? I'm trying to think of someone. Huh? Sketchy. Yeah, sketchy. There you go. That's good. A little audience participation here. I like that. Keep you awake. Watch me struggle up here and then see if that, you know, helps you out a little bit. Such a compassionate bunch. Anyway. I'm not supposed to say anything. I asked you to. Um, A seed is not going to remain seed-like or seedy. It wants to give up being a seed. It wants to change, even though that change may be difficult. If you think about everything that goes into a seed becoming a plant, 
There's a lot of energy being expended as it grows, as it takes on a shape. I mean, hundreds of times larger than what it is. A seed's mission is to make more seeds. It grows into a plant, and then that plant produces more seeds. Every time we plant a seed, every time we see a growing crop, every time you see produce in the supermarket, you can think that that came from a seed. And what you see right there is you see the mission that God gave this creation when He said, be fruitful and multiply. We, sadly, we reduce that down to having kids, you know. That God's just, hey, be fruitful and multiply. God's intent for all the creation including us, was for it to thrive. Life is just built into the creation. And a seed is part of that mission. Okay, so this is uh, good gardening, but so what? What's your point? Well, I want you to think of the seeds that never become what they're supposed to be. I want you to think of the seeds that are preserved, that are to remain seeds, and they have never become what they were meant to be. And then I want you to think of us, disciples. I want you to think of churches. And that sometimes what we end up seeing are a lot of seedy churches. What I mean by that is a church that thinks that It's supposed to preserve, Ted mentioned tradition, that it's supposed to preserve a particular set of traditions at all costs. I would say that's a seedy church. Because it will not let go of its form as a seed and become what God intends it to be. Sometimes we talk about the church as if the church is not us. I mean, we get the... the, um, the, the little lesson that, um, I mean, look, here, this is, you know, I, I, did, I did Botany 101. Here's Church of Christ 101. If you don't have this background, you won't understand what I'm talking about, that might be good. People were posting this thing that says, uh, when your pastor makes a point, you know, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, pour Gatorade on his head. And I have to remind everybody, I'm not a pastor, okay? We don't use that word, all right? And so then one of, the, one of the other lessons that you learn is the church is not a building. The church is the people. So that little thing that we learn when we're, you know, uh, how does that go? Uh, here's the church, here's the steeple, uh, look inside and here's all the people. That's easier when you're in kindergarten, when you're arthritic. That, that, boy, I'm, I'm going to need therapy now. But that's, it's all wrong. The church is the people. And we get that, but sometimes we talk of the church as if it's an institution that people join, or if it's an institution that people attach themselves to, as if there's this invisible cosmic church out there somewhere, and you and I are just participants in it, as if we're members. Folks, every time you read of the church in Scripture, it's a group of people. It's a group of disciples. It's a gathering. In fact, church really, uh, you know, again, we have a history with this word, and it's hard for us to reprogram our thinking about this, but church may be the group word for disciples. You know, cows, you have a collection of cows that are a, a herd, you have a school of fish, 
a pod of whales, a pride of lions. You, you know what crows are called? A murder, a murder of crows. That doesn't fit, but you know, it all works. So maybe, what, you know, what do you have of disciples? You have a church of disciples. How about that? I like that. I'm going to trademark that. That's good. Okay. We're going re- to redo language. But I think this may be how we need to think of church. And if we think of that then, as disciples, we are striving to be what God wants us to be. Therefore, the church ought to be the same thing. We ought to be on a mission just like a seed to become what God packs into us in seed form. But we're not going to hold on to that seed form. Jesus gives the lesson of the kernel of wheat. He says anyone who wants to save his or her life will lose it. But anyone who loses his or her life for me will find it. Now you read that on the face of it. Thank you for the amen. We can amen that because we get it. But you just look at the face of that. On the face of that, that doesn't make sense. If I lose my life, I'll find it? What's he talking about? If I try to save my life, I actually lose it? This is the lesson that Jesus wants us to get. That when we struggle so hard to make our lives what we want it to be, we may find that we actually lose everything that gives life meaning and value. We may find that we've been chasing after the wrong things. When we try so hard to protect our own life and keep our own life, we may, we may save it in this world, but we may lose it in eternity. We may gain all of the wealth and protection and security that we can that we can grasp in this world, but we may lose it for all eternity. And here's the the amazing thing about God. When you actually let go of the fear, let go of the worry, let go of the pride, let go of the anxiety, you actually find out that your life, your meaning and your purpose is given to you as a gift from God. Now, if that's true for a disciple, why isn't it just as true for a church of disciples? Reread the text. Any church that wants to save its life will, what would Jesus say? Lose it. Oh, now, wait a second. I don't know about that, pastor. I mean, preacher. I mean, brother. Uh, I don't know about that. Because our, our whole mission is to save the church, isn't it? Oh, God preserves the church. God takes care of the church. God is shaping the church into what He wants it to be. If a church is a group of disciples, then God will do with that church as He pleases. Let me, let me, let me tell you what this looks like. Um, there's a church in the Houston area. Since it's a good story, I want to go ahead and brag on them. When I lived down in the Houston area, I, I, I met this church, and I, I met its minister. It's the Southwest Central Church in Houston. And, and their minister told me what they were doing on Wednesday night. He said, we realized that our Wednesday night program was changing. 
they had the ordinary Wednesday night program, classes for the people of the church. Everybody come, teach classes. They were running out of teachers. Things were going on as normal. But then they noticed. They noticed that in their neighborhood, the people around them were, were international uh, Residents. They were people who moved to this country to go to the medical school in Houston. And many of them wanted to learn English. So they used the Let's Start prog- uh, Talking program that we're familiar with um, and its um, version called Friends Speak. And they started out with a few people teaching these neighbors who come from other nations how to speak English. And they do it by teaching them Scripture. In time, the church decided, here's what we need to do because we have such a demand for this. Why don't we give up our entire Wednesday night program to sharing the Word of God with our neighbors and teaching them English? The whole thing? Yes. The whole thing. They gave up all of their Wednesday night stuff. Mature members of the church did not say, wait, you're taking my class away from me. They gave. They gave, and what they gained in return were many more disciples for the kingdom. That's what this looks like. If they had tried to preserve their seed form, their static form, if they had tried to preserve their programs, then what would have happened? They would have actually lost it all. I love that story because they were willing to trust in God that that was the thing for them to do. A seed gives up being just a seed so that it can fulfill its mission. Church, this is where we need to be humble when we grow in God. Because we we may think that things are important to us. And it may make us very anxious to try to preserve those things that are important to us. But you and I need to remember that we live in a culture that gets the important things turned upside down all the time. I guess it was about a year ago this time that we thought Inflategate was important. Really? Oh, I guess I touched a nerve there. Maybe that's serious stuff, you know, for some of you. It did matter! You know, We get our values so mixed up in this world, and we're told what sort of things are important and what sort of things are not. If we will be humble before God, He will lead us into what really matters to Him. But we have to be willing to give up our definition of life, self, and church. Our definitions. If we're not willing to risk that and lose that, we may never become what God wants us to be. Jesus uses that kernel of wheat image to make this point to His disciples. And I think the the, the word for us is that if we are anxious about preserving our notion of what church is supposed to be or how it's supposed to go, we're going to end up being nothing more than anxious worried disciples. In fact, I'll give you this challenge. If you find that more and more coming to worship or coming to Bible class or being a disciple of Jesus, if you find more and more that that is frustrating to you and exasperating, 
there may, be good, there may be all sorts of reasons for that, but just ask yourself this one diagnostic test question. Are you wanting everything to be of service to you, or are you willing to be of service to God and others? Because when you are willing to be of service to God and others, you may find that being a Christian is far more enjoyable than you ever imagined. You know, we've got this event, Night to Shine, coming up this um, Friday, Friday, February 10th. One of the things I love about that, and I'm asking myself, there's all this work, there's all this, this I mean, there's so many things to worry about in this. We can get all uh, worried about whether we've got this ready or that ready and all the preparations we have to make, and it can produce a lot of anxiety. But, but as I look at it, I'm realizing none of this event is for us. It's to serve other people in the name of God. And that's what makes it amazingly enjoyable. Oh, it's the same way with all of our service efforts, all of our mission trips, all of our in-town efforts, all of our groups like Cure Hope Chest. When you find yourself truly serving others and not worrying about what you get out of it, guess what? You don't lose anything. You gain much. Because you may just find yourself being in step with what God wants life in Christ to look like. You know, in my entire career in ministry, I've been reading a lot about church growth. And it's only been in the, in the last year or so, and especially now, as we began this growing season, that I've realized that the words church growth mean the wrong thing to me. That, that church growth, when I first heard about it, was given to me as a technique. It's a technique, it's a set of steps you can take that will instantly grow your church into some sort of mega juggernaut church in 90 days. That it will immediately become some huge uh, church on steroids if you'll just follow these steps and, and everybody will come in here. And, and that's... You know, for, for people who want to have the glory of the world, that's attractive. Now, I'm not saying that every church that does that is only concerned about their own glory. Not at all. A lot of growth that happens in churches is because, you know, we, we often see these churches that grow and they get large, and the thing we often miss is you know, everybody's like, oh, I want to duplicate that here. What's the trick? What's the trick? I actually asked some groups about that. And one of them said, what people don't see is that for 20 years, we had uh, just a few faithful people praying every day. You don't see that which is beneath the ground as people are giving up and sacrificing and devoting and committing themselves to God. And then He provides the increase. Church growth. Real church growth. Not the marketing instant microwave church growth that you often hear people talk about, it begins in each and every one of us. And as we go through this growing season, I want you in your groups, in your gatherings, when you're around the dinner table today, every day, just ask yourself and ask one another, when you're having your meditation time with that cup of coffee, ask yourself, how has the church, and I'm talking about, look around you, that's the church. 
How has the church, even those who've gone on, they are also the church. How have they helped you grow? And then, take it one step further. Flip that around. How do you help the church grow? And remember, the best definition, best biblical definition of church is you and other disciples. People who have Christ in common. The the children of God, those who are in Christ, and they gather to encourage one another, to help one another grow. When we look at the church as something that we can build, something that we can construct, something that we must preserve, something that we must save, then it takes on a rigid form, and that's all it will ever be. But it's interesting. there's an interesting Bible study. If you look at what Jesus says about the kingdom of God, and I know the kingdom of God is much greater than just the church. It includes everything. It includes heaven. It includes all of it. The kingdom of God is never something that we are called to build or construct or to protect. There's only two verbs that you see most often with the kingdom of God. You either enter it or you receive it. It's something that we give our lives up to. Those of you who have been baptized, you took a step into the life of Christ. And that was the seed. Dead to the world. Letting go of a life that you can't save to gain a life that you can't lose. If, if that's not your story yet, if you haven't been baptized, well, we'll be glad to talk to you about it. We'll be glad to see that done. But when we release the God-given potential of the church around us, it will grow. And we have to release it by yielding, by submitting ourselves to God. We may have to give things up, but that won't even compare to the spiritual harvest that we gain. Well, we're going to stand, we're going to sing this song and let it be an encouragement to the church. That means you and the other disciples who are right here with you. We will have shepherds who will be standing up here, and they'll be in room, this room right back here that has pews in it. They're there to encourage, to build up and help you let go so that you can grow. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would be with us. Be with us in any decisions that we need to make internally or as a group or decisions that we need to share. We're going to let this moment be yours. Would you lead us and guide us in it? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing.